How to Create a Glitch Monologues Season 17 Chapter 7 This is Season 17 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 7. In this episode, we will be talking again about the social economy. Specifically, we will be talking about how confidence wages are more than merely predictions that give one confidence. In past episodes we discussed how a confidence wager is a prediction about some future event, i.e. the behavior of other social actors, that produces reliance upon said event. If that prediction is shown to be correct, then one acquires confidence to make further predictions within the social economy. This is so because in acting with reliance, one implicates one's anticipatory expectations, one's subjectivity becomes enmeshed with the substance of the future event manifesting it in a particular way. In fact, there is little difference in practice between a confidence wager and a suppositional thought, closed thought, or direct grounded thought. What this means is that in acting with reliance upon the prediction, with nothing more than faith in its correctness, one is shaping being around oneself and making the prediction more likely to happen. Now, predictions about people can be linked to predictions about human systems. This means that the correctness of a prediction could have consequences, according to the nature of the actions taken pursuant to the reliance. For example, one could say predict that one's partner will die before the age of 40 and in acting with reliance upon that prediction, could buy life insurance for that partner. When that partner dies, one receives a monetary amount along with the confidence of the wager. Thus, economic activity can be linked to confidence wages through reliance. In the methodology to create a glitch, I talked about ways of increasing social tension such as refusing a postural release, or violating conformity with some standard convention of behavior such as created by the celestial rhythms or social nuance. As an example, imagine that you are in a classroom and everyone is taking off their jackets because it is hot and humid. Imagine that you also have the impulse to do that but you reject the impulse and keep your jacket on. This creates social tension because others notice it, remark on it, question it, and find that it contradicts the behavior of the group. It is a violation of mirroring. It is a violation of the influence of the celestial rhythms on human behavior. Now, I also talked about in a recent episode how bizarre behavior or behavior that violates some tenet of conventionality can release social tension. But there is a distinction that must be made. In the one case, the bizarre behavior, or behavior that violates conventionality, comes in the form of a negated thought of the group, expressed by the individual. When one acts out a thought everyone is having, but keeping to themselves, this represents the release of tension because it undermines the negation of the group. For example, let's say a professor enters a classroom and stands at the front. The lecture is to begin at 9 a.m., but instead of lecturing he stands there. Most of the students are wondering, are you going to start the lecture? But none of them say anything. One particularly snarky student says, what are you waiting for? The classroom laughs. Nevertheless, since the goal of glitching is different and rather involves the creation rather than the release of social tension, it is easy to see how negation of an impulse expressed by the group, the reverse of the above, could represent a distinct and dialectical outcome. Bizarre behavior can also increase tension, such as in the above example, or it can release tension, such as in situations where a system member adopts a stereotypical archetype or behavior. In one case, the second, 
it releases tension because it renders the student more predictable. In the first case, it increases social tension because it renders the student less predictable. In any event, the key point being made with this podcast is that in negating an impulse already expressed by the group, one is expanding one's consensual reality. One is resisting a trend, creating a pocket of negation. But be that as it may, there are other ways to utilize trends. In the earlier example regarding the life insurance policy, imagine that instead of dying suddenly, the partner dies of an increasingly common disease. The prediction of his or her spouse is made based upon the increasing commonness of the disease. In this case, the prediction is consistent with the trend, which informs the prediction. The group member uses information he observes, mirroring behaviors, amongst the group to inform his confidence wager. In the end all the ambiguities aside, it can be very useful to read group behavior and predict trends. For example, let's say that on the way to the classroom that day, person A predicts everyone will take off their jacket in the room during the lecture. Person B bets person A $10 that he's wrong. They go into the classroom and everyone takes off their jackets and person A wins $10. Thus, coupling financial gain to confidence wages and predictions associated with trends can be a useful way to convert confidence to economic value. Thus, the social economy is interrelated to the actual economy, or can be, through reliance and coupling of value to predictions. A good example of this is the stock market. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.